0: you would, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. Heavenly Father, we praise you for another opportunity to stand in this pulpit and preach another message. When, O oh Lord, that you're the God of all things and you own all of the earth, that we are all your people and you even own us. We are bought with a price and not our own. And we're here today, O oh Lord, because you assigned this day to be a special day of hearing the word of the Lord. And I pray, God, that as we've sung these songs and as we've received an offering and prayed prayers beseeching you for needs, we pray, pray, God, that you would do something that we cannot do. We ask you to give us an open door of utterance that we might speak with grace and with truth to the people. Help us, God, to deliver this morning what you've revealed to us in secret. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and everybody said amen. amen. Well, it's true that Elisha was the performer of forty miracles. He had asked for a double portion of what his mentor Elijah had uh, given to him, and Elijah received that that blessing. This is in the numbering of Elijah's blessings and Eri- Elijah's miracles. How God kept. Elijah and the vision and the ministry and the burden alive. When God gets committed to keeping our promises and our wishes and our necessities alive, then he is the giver of life. He's the giver of deliverance. He's the giver of all things. He came in contact with a little lady who was simply called the widow at Zarephath. The widow at Zarephath. And Elijah was summoned to go over to Zarephath by the Holy Spirit. God spoke to him and said, Go to Zarephath, for I have commanded. Notice that instruction. I have commanded a widow. A widow to care for you there. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you this. There probably wasn't a whole lot of expectations If you're going to a widow's house and, my goodness, you could expect that during the famine she was the poorest of everybody. Sometimes God, I think he has a little bit of a sense of humor about this, he routes you through a place where it doesn't look like he's working, as the song says. And you don't feel like he's working. And all you observe tells you he's not working. But he says, if you'll just obey me and do what I tell you to do, then I will sustain you. And I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Amen. So here we're getting into the conversation that Elijah had with this uh, widow woman. 13th verse, after he'd talked to her a lot, and she had told him all about her troubles. All about her troubles. She said, there's a famine on, and said, I have got a, two friends I've got Mr. Barrow, and I've got Mr. Cruz. And uh, they have been my hope and my sustenance up until this time. All of my hope rests in Mr. Cruz and Mr. Barrow. And it looks now that they're about to fail me. It looks like that the, when they're gone, I won't have anything left. All that I've put my hope in, all that I've put my uh, dependence upon is about to go away. For you see Mr. Barrel only has one more handful and Mr. Cruz only has a few drops and they're reaching the place where Mr. Barrel and Mr. Cruz cannot help me anymore And but at your word you tell me to go and bake you a, 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 a cake And said, We don't even have enough to make a cake. We don't have enough to make a cake, but said, We're going to make a a, a little what would we call these kind of breads? A pone of bread? We're going to make a little pone of bread with what we've got left, and then we're going to eat that, and then we're going to die. Now, I want you to listen to the faith of this praying lady. Who has been commanded by god to feed the prophet and take care of the prophet take care of the word of god god is saying i'm going to give you the admonition and the charge and the command to take care of the word of god hallelujah and so the bible says that she said well, i'd love to take care of the man of god but i don't really know how we're going to get that done because Mr. Cruz and Mr. Barrow down at the bank are telling me I'm not going to get the money. So I really don't know what's going to happen, but because you've told me to, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fix you this pone of uh, bread. And I'm going to get this for you because you have told me. 1 Kings 17, verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, DON'T BE AFRAID. DON'T YOU LOVE IT WHEN PEOPLE TELL YOU RIGHT IN THE MIDDLE OF YOUR MOST FEARFUL TIME, DON'T BE AFRAID. DON'T YOU LOVE IT WHEN THE PAYMENT IS DUE IN LESS THAN 24 HOURS AND SOMEBODY SAYS, DON'T WORRY. DON'T YOU LOVE IT WHEN SOMEBODY COMES ALONG TO GIVE YOU A WORD OF encouragement RIGHT AT THE LAST HOUR. AND HERE, THIS PROPHET, THIS WORD OF GOD, says to this woman that god has commanded we got all our players in this thing situated haven't we we've got a lady who's got a commandment got a lady who's got a commandment and we've got a prophet that god says I'm, i want somebody to take care of the prophet take care of the man of god take care of the word of god fear not don't be afraid go and do as thou hast said But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it to me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord, you can always find the word of God in the midst of your troubles. You can always find that God has got a word if you'll search for it. You'll always find that God is where He's supposed to be, doing what He's supposed to be doing, and His Word is working. His Word is working. And as long as His Word is working, your safety and your favorable outcome is secured. God secures, the Bible said, by His Word. And by His Word, the worlds were formed. And by His Word, all things consist. By his word nature uh, bows down and by his word waves calm down and wind refuses to blow when God says peace be still when God speaks to our hearts about the emotional storms that are going on in our heart then he says peace be still and there is a still like no other still and there's a Peace that passes all understanding because our God supplies every need that we have according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Fear not, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel Mr. Barrel of Meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil, Mr. Cruise, that oil shall not fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he at her house did eat for many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Brother, when you pit the Word of God and the prophetic utterance of God's powerful Word against your situation, I want to tell you the Word of God comes out on top every time. The Word of God never fails. For the Bible said, our God who cannot lie. Our God who cannot lie. Hallelujah. Hath manifested Himself and." our lives in these times that we're living in now the prophet said that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for god to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which entereth into that within the veil. Let me read you another scripture about taking care of the Word of God. It's in Philippians 4, 15 through 19, and you know it well. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Now, who is our speaker? The Apostle Paul. Y'all gonna to have to wake up. The Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Philippi. Now we're talking about the same Paul that breathed out threatenings, the same Paul that arrested Christians, the same Paul that stood by the side of a a stoning of Stephen and held the coat of the people who were doing the stoning. We're talking about a man who was carrying uh, warrants for uh, arrest for Christians when the Lord struck him down by a bright light and shined upon you see the lord chose to use paul he chose to use paul because god had need of him he said god said i'm going to make him a chosen vessel i'm going to use him in a special way to do something that nobody else could do now jesus the bible said i will build my church upon the rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it but we owe an everlasting debt to the apostle paul to give order to the organism. The organism had no organization. And so God needed somebody who would be the architect and put the church structure together of the early church, which we still have today. And Paul was that person God selected to do that. He has been called the wisest of of all the apostles. He's been called the architimus of uh, antiquity. That means he was the smartest man. You know, we've called so- Solomon the wisest man, but in it's something that in the New Testament, Paul is the wisest man. He's the man that put together the things of the church as the Holy Spirit dealt with him. What a ministry he had to go everywhere and plant a church, go everywhere, everywhere he went. Well, Aquila and Priscilla was products of his digging out a church. All of those workers that you read about, Sylvanus and. Uh, and all of those uh, leaders in the Greek world and in the Asian world, all of them were people that Paul won to the Lord and put in service, serving the Lord as, as pastors. And, and Paul considered himself somewhat of an overseer. Amen. In that he oversaw all the works that Ephesus, Philippi, Galatia, and all of those places to which these letters are, are, are sent. And there was a special life. God really liked a lot of things about Paul, but I think the one thing he liked about Paul is when Paul did something, he did it in a big way. I said, when he did it, he did it in a big way. Hey, you might say this about Paul. Somebody told me this about a preacher one time. He was all he could be for the devil. But when he got saved, he became all he could be for God. Hey, that's the the goal, isn't it? That when God transforms your life and when God changes your nature and God makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus, you start serving the person that God assigned you to be. And every one of us in this house are moving toward being what God wants us to be. Being what God wants us to be. I can do all things, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Boy, you've quoted that a lot of times, haven't you? Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Listen to what he's saying to these people, commending them for helping ministry and helping the Word of God. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when i departed from macedonia no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but you only wow you mean all those churches that he started all of those people that he was a blessing to all of the great things that he did for god in all of those cities establishing churches and all those places that none of them cared about another person receiving the message, or another city, or another town. Come on, somebody. We're satisfied with where they were and what they had, and said, Paul, thank God for what you're doing. Keep on doing it. Bless you, brother. But Paul says to the Philippians, you are the only ones. You're the only ones that cared that the gospel be preached everywhere. You're the only one that got the big picture. You're the only one that saw the world lost and undone without God. You're the only one that saw the kingdom work of God that needs to be established upon this earth and saw the big picture of it. You know, sometimes we become so localized that we get distracted from the commission God gave us to do. Amen. Could I tell you it's not a local problem with God. God sees everything. And God looked at this this situation in the very beginning and God so loved the world. He loved Anniston, Alabama, but his first intention was he loved the world. He saw the world lost and undone without God. He saw the big picture. And he so loved the world that he gave himself, gave himself, God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus gave himself up. Gave himself up to the cruelty of the cross, despising the shame, but he endured that command that God gave to him. The Bible said with joy. He endured with joy the command and the obligation that was set before him enduring the cross despising the shame amen but he endured the cross and he did that for every one of us not just aniston not just weaver not just jacksonville but for the whole world the sins of the whole world were upon his back every voice every soul of adam's race jesus died for them at calvary he said i appreciate the fact that N- though nobody else really cared about that, you got the message, notwithstanding you've done well, that you did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel I departed from the Macedon. No church communicated with as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. But even in Thessalonica there was one more church that was sent once and again unto my necessity, My necessity. Not because I desire a gift. I don't want you to consider it just giving me something. I want you to look at that as as a different thing, as planting something in ministry. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You mean there's a blessing in this for me? That there's something that can be credited to my account? I didn't know I had an account. You mean I've got an account? Well, let's read it again and see if that's exactly what it, not because, 17th verse, not because I desire a gift. It's not about giving me a gift. But I desire fruit. Why do I desire fruit from what I give to you that it may abound to your account? In other words, somewhere there is somebody charged with the responsibility of keeping accounts. Somewhere there is a ledger. Somewhere there is a list. And what I give to God and what I do for God is recorded on my account. I don't know why y'all aren't shouting. Unless you're so depressed that you haven't put enough in your account to even mention it. Maybe having an account in heaven means nothing to you. Maybe one day being rewarded for works of righteousness which we have done means nothing to us. I promise you one thing, one day it will. One day it will. One day what we've done for God here on this earth will matter more than anything else matters. What a statement Paul said here, 18th verse. But I have all and I abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, what was sent from you became an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing unto God. Boy, I'm almost tempted to get them boys to bring those bags back out here from what we've just given this morning. And let's sniff around a little bit and let's see, let's see if they got that aroma let's check that offering bag this morning, make sure it smells. Let's see if it's got that sweet savor. Let's see if it's got that well-pleasing odor. I tell you, I can't preach much better than that, folks. I wonder if you've got anything laying around that God could say, I could improve the smell of that. I wonder if you're toting something on your hip, God might could say, I can improve the smell of that. Wouldn't it be something if, if our worship, our praise, our giving, our hallelujah, our, our worship could be considered by God, what does it call it? An odor, a sacrifice that's acceptable and well-pleasing to God. And then a colossal verse Colossal verse, one of the pillars that we sit upon. But I, uh, my God, Asha Masa But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul, who are you talking to? I'm talking to a church that understands the big picture. I'm talking to a church that offers up sacrifices unto God that he thinks are well-pleasing. I'm writing to a church that, oh, glory to God, a church that has been faithful through all of the opposition and the adversity and the difficulty that they've gone through. And I'm talking to a church that has confidence in God's care for them and god's they trust god and they know god and i'm saying to them but your god my god my god shall supply supply paul called his need up here in the 16th verse he said my necessity my necessity when he gave his Farewell sermon. He said, you all know how that I have coveted no man's silver, but I have I've labored and I have trusted in only the necessities of them that traveled with me and those that met with me. The only, only offerings he said I have received from anybody is for the group that's traveling with me trying to plant the gospel and preach the gospel in every town. Only my necessities and the necessities of those that travel with me. Wow. And he says to this church, My God shall supply all your needs. I want to be a church like Philippi, don't you? I want Harvest to be a church like Philippi. I want Harvest to be a place where God can say, But my God shall supply. I want this to be a place where it's often heard, but my God shall supply. Yes, there are needs, and yes, there are necessities, and yes, there are are huge ways that challenge us, but those necessities, those necessities, God has designed to become opportunities. Opportunities. That's why Paul said, I glory in my infirmaries my infirmities I I thank God he said for those times when I'm weak because those times turn into strength and I thank God for when I don't have much because he turns that into much and it's really because it's not mine at all but God my God shall supply need. My God. Then God is the master of my need. Shout in time, but where's the button? God is the master of my need. I want to get that through your head before I I leave here this morning. God is the master of my need. In fact, He's not just the control and the manager of my need. He actually owns my need. It is His creation. He created my need. And if he created my need and he's Lord and master over my need, then he also, he also owns the supply. And he also is Lord of the supply. He also is Lord of and a creator of the answer to my question of why. You always ask why? Why? God says, I own this. It's mine. Every temptation, it's mine. Every bitter trial, it's mine. Every need that you have, it's mine. Yes, I am Lord over it. Yes, I'm master over your need. I created the situation for the little woman over at Zarephath. I created the famine. I stopped up the heavens. The prophet prayed that the heavens would not give rain for the space of three years and six months. And the Bible said, and it rained not. It rained not by the space of three years and six months. And then the Bible said, and again he prayed. And the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So then if God owned the rain, God owned the famine, because he's the one that by the word of God shut up the heavens. I said the word of God shut up the heavens. The Word of God is the key that's on the valve that shut off the water. Lord, somebody ought to be shouting in this house. He owns the thing you need the most. Not only does he own the need, he also owns the supply because that same key that by the word of God stopped the valve from flowing, that that same key, that same valve that God owns. When that key is turned and that valve opens, then the water comes gushing and the heavens give their rain because God owns the need and God also owns the supply. He's the master of the need. He's the master of the supply. Have you ever wondered why you come to church with somebody and you just got the biggest blessing and you just rejoiced and and shouted and the Lord spoke to your heart and you rejoiced and praised and worshiped and the person beside you never got a thing? How in the world can you sit beside somebody like Virginia and you sit there like the daffodil in an onion patch, no emotion, not even smile, and happen to get hitch a ride with Virginia on the road home? And that dry one says to Virginia, I don't know what you're shouting about. If you knew what I know about old so-and-so sitting back there, you wouldn't shout either. If you just knew about so-and-so. Did you see that outfit somebody had on this morning? You believe she wore them shoes with that outfit? Brother, I wouldn't have got where nobody could see me if I had a dress on like that. What does that tell you? You ready for this? Write this down. This may be worth a note. Some people just don't have the capacity to hold a blessing. about capacity all growing in God means increasing the capacity growing up in God is all about increasing your capacity to receive the things of God if there's a no vacancy on your heart then there will be a Passover all right but they won't drop any mail for you Brother, if you have no capacity or little capacity, you can't receive the things of God. You came in there, the church dry as a chip and left just like you walked in because you just never did have any capacity. You never gave God a chance. Come on, somebody in this house. You never put the pan out and said, here it is, Lord, fill it full. Here's my cup, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. Here I brought my container I love that, that, that little woman that the disciple said, put them pans out. You remember that? Said, put them pans out. God's going to give you a blessing and it's going to be so huge that you're going to need to find every vessel you got. Go to your neighbor's house and ask your neighbor, would you just loan me a tub? Have you, have you got anything that'll hold? Have you got anything that'll hold? have you got anything that I can put something in have you got anything that I could I can catch it in and the Bible said he told her borrow not a few borrow every pan you can get get the dipper get the bucket get the tub get it from the well get it from the bathtub get it wherever you can get it you just get something that contains a blessing and God can pour you out a blessing, I promise you that there will not be room enough to receive it. You can't borrow enough pans to hold the goodness of God when God decides to bless you. You got to have some way to contain it. Gotta have some way to contain it. Don't come to church without some way to contain. There's got to be some way to contain what God does in your life. And God can turn the greatest difficulty into the greatest blessing. He can take the greatest necessity and turn it into the greatest opportunity. Opportunity. That's why Paul said, I glory in this stuff i praise the lord and worship when trial and temptation comes i give god glory when i go through a difficulty because i know that i know that i know in my knower what what job said is true when he hath tried me i shall come forth as gold hey it ain't gonna always be this way this season's gonna pass This season came, this season's gonna go. And when this season goes and things change and I'm in the blessing plan of God, I'm gonna receive what God has for me. I'm gonna receive the blessings, the power, the healing, the deliverance, the glory, because God knows that I can contain a blessing. I can hold a blessing. Anybody in this house today that can hold a blessing. Anybody here that can hold a blessing? Yes. Glory to God. You've got to grow into that. I said you've got to grow into that. You've got to grow into that. You've got to, got to do all of that adjusting. Amen. The Word of God will shape you and it will mold you and it will make you into what God wants you to be. Nothing else can do that but the Word of God. The Word of God. Amen. And you know what? When a preacher is preaching God's Word, you've got to trust that he's been in that Scripture and he's wrestled with that Scripture and he's learned and gleaned from that Scripture. He's laid down at night and slept with that Scripture. He's gone about his daily task with that Scripture. And that scripture is in his mind because there's a voice in this right here. Are you hearing me? In every verse, in every chapter, in every book, there is a voice. And that voice speaks to us out of the pages of this book right here. Because holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wrote this book And the Holy Ghost enables those who preach this book. Hey, the objective of a prophet is to get alone with God and spend time until that voice speaks to you from that scripture. And when that voice speaks to you, you go to the pulpit and you become the voice of God. And you preach those things that God put in your heart and in your mind. It's a mindset that you must have. It's a mindset. It is a a condition of your belief system. It's deep in your heart that when you speak the Word of God, good things happen. Good things happen. Come on, Olivia, and help me. When we were in Ohio, Brian was just a kid when we went there was three or four and we went and bought him a bicycle for a little bitty boy and uh, he grew wasn't long till Rachel she got old enough that she got a big wheel first and I can see her now going out to the state office there in Ohio peddling her big wheel hadn't graduated up to the small training wheels kind of bicycle you know people are like that in in their walk with god there are some people that are still on training wheels yeah they make so many mistakes they can't hold it up by themselves so they have to have god's grace and put some wheels of God's grace to hold them up. Come on. The idea is you, you keep going till they'll one day grow and they'll get better. At The parsonage there the, for the youth director in Ohio, you believe I was a youth director one time? Well, a couple of times but wow that seems so long ago after 400 kids and youth camp and all that all of that the parsonage was out behind the state office there in ohio and you had to ride a long lane to get in there perfect for learning how to ride a bicycle there's one thing about brian when he got old enough we went and bought him a bicycle called a mongoose anybody know about a mongoose you do you know about mongoose somehow brian read in a paper somewhere about jumping bicycles that uh, mongoose is what you want so we went and bought a mongoose well we first had to learn how to ride the thing and i would get out with him you know and his parents do We'd put him on the bicycle and we'd start him off. And he he would do fine. He'd make it about 100 yards there at first. And I'd have to go out there and get him, you know, and get him up, set him back up on it again because his legs weren't long enough to get on. So then I'd start him off again and he'd take off again. And he'd get out around the state office and make that curve out there to turn and First few times he never was able to make the curve, so I had to go get him. It was a grand, grand day when Brian finally got to where he could get all the way to the state office, make the turn, and come back to the parsonage. Boy, it sure saved Daddy a lot of steps. The only way he could get on it was at the back of the parsonage there, there was this patio and there was brickwork all around the patio there and he could ride up to the side of that brick and he could put his foot up on that brick and stop and that's the way he stopped and that's the way he started the only problem is there is no brick out at the state office and if you get away from the brick you're in trouble and unless Daddy comes and helps you back up on the bicycle, you lay there till a good Samaritan comes along. And I remember sitting in the recliner there, and I'd, I'd watch out the window because I had to catch him most of the time. We would skip the wall, and I'd go out, and I'd, here comes a bicycle straight at you, and you grab it, and you try to stop that thing, you know went through all of that finally got on the wall and he would drive that thing out and finally started venturing out you know uh, in the road in that subdivision, wasn't many cars but it was safe He'd, he'd go up, you know, he was fine as long as he didn't stop don't stop or you're in trouble and he knew there's only one way for me to get off of this thing unharmed and that's make it home where my daddy is waiting for me. How about my shout-out what you sang last Sunday, Mark? I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There've been times I didn't know right. From wrong but in those lonely hours those precious lonely hours jesus let me know has he ever let you know what faith in god can do through everything that you go through god says there's an opportunity and in every time you get on the bicycle God expects you to get better at that God expects you to get to where you can ride that thing without dad running alongside you God wants you to get get to the point that you can make that turn out of the state office God wants you to get to that place and he finally learned it he finally learned how to get off of that thing he learned if he'd stand on one pedal And ride a while. Throw this one around and ride on that one, and finally you throw the other one off, and you start doing that and running with the bicycle. And that's how he learned to do that. That's like serving God. A lot like serving God, because my objective is the same. I'm all right as I don't if I don't fall. I'm all right, I'll make it if I just don't fall. If I can stay up, I've got this thing licked if I just won't quit and I won't fall. I gotta keep going. Brother, that's the mentality you gotta have. Because if you can make it home, there's a father that's waiting for you. A father that's waiting for you. A father that's waiting for you. There have been times when the rocks hurt my feet. My body burned from the sweat and the heat. My strength almost gone. And my faith begins to wane. My back is bent beneath the pain. Oh, I could turn around, for the road is still there. But every mountain that I've climbed, I again would have to bear. So you see, I just can't turn back. Some may be using my track. One more bend, and it just might be this road's end. Long and winding road keep on leading me. Up ahead I see a sign that points me straight ahead to victory. Oh, I know I must be traveling right, for I remember passing Calvary. And although it's dusty and it's old, for years it's borne the traveler's load. Someday this road will turn to gold. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fifth Sunday means we do communion. What a sacrifice, a well-pleasing sacrifice. Isn't it interesting to know, you may stand please, if you will. Isn't it interesting to know that a sacrifice was made for us on a hill called Golgotha. Our Lord Jesus in the upper room said to the apostles, "Take." And eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. In like manner, he took the cup and he said, This is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. Take and drink, ye all of it. Thank you, God. For about 30 seconds, could we offer up a sacrifice well pleasing unto God as a sweet savor? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> blessed God, blessed God. Holy, holy, holy is our God. Lord, we worship you, we praise you, we magnify you, we adore you. You are our God, our only God. We trust in you, we love you, we believe in you. You are our strength, the strength of our life. We will not fear, for the battle is the Lord's and we are your people and you've determined us to be successful and we love you and we praise you for the outcome already of all of our necessities, that our necessity is your opportunity, and we accept it this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Bless the Lord. Give God one big good hand. You're dismissed. God bless you and God go with you is our prayer.